0: Good morning, GRX. Good morning, children. My name is Iron Man. I've been summoned here by Pastor Scott Liu on a mission. Yes. Wow, very smart, very smart one. Yes, yes. But I am real. See, I'm right here. All right, here we go. Hey. So, as I was saying, I was reading my Bible this morning. And I came across Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And do you know what it said? It said, Iron Man must go to church this morning. It said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Once again, Matthew 11, chapter 11, number 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest now. You in the front, little little padawans, little Avengers to be. <laughs> what? What does it mean to rest? Tell me. What does that mean? What does rest look like? <laughs> sleep. Okay. I heard sleep. What else is rest? Okay. Relax. relaxing. Yes. What's another word for relax? Come on. The sources. TV. TV. And what? Peas. Yeah. Peace, yes. And what else? Video games, yes. <laughs> Multiple versions of relaxing and sleep, yes. Champions, Marvel, Contest of Champions, one of my favorite games, yes. And what? And how many hours are you supposed to sleep every night? Yes. Ten hours. Who here gets ten hours of sleep? Raise your hand. All right. Twelve hours of sleep? Wow, you are one well-rested Padawan. Great. All right. How many here gets, how many people here get about four hours of sleep on the average? Adult, old people in the back, raise your hands. Four, four, okay. How about six hours on the average? Old people, raise their hands. Oh, oh, you are not following the Bible. You are not following the Bible. Yes, yes. Six hours sleep. How are you so tall, little one? Oh, well, just so you know, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, told me to tell you that you have to get more than six hours. Ten is really good. Eight is on the average, but ten to twelve for little children like you is good. For adults, on the average, about seven to nine, according to the sleep.org website. All right? So, once again, Matthew Eleven twenty-eight. 28, come to me, and this is Jesus saying it, right? Jesus, in red letters in the Bible, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I am real. Oh, Captain America, is that you? Yes, we need you on a big mission down the street. Okay, you gotta go, kids, go. Marvel's assembled. Go.
1: Wow. Man, I've never, I've never seen Iron Man in a worship service like that. I'm telling you guys, if you guys are ever wondering how cool your pastor is, like, that's how much pool I've got. <laughs> I got the Avengers here. Yeah, next week we're actually going to have the Incredible Hulk here. We're going to actually uh, meet outside. We're not. Going to... No, I'm just kidding about that. Hey, today we're going to begin a whole new series. We're going to bring a whole new series today, and it's a series of messages in conjunction with this book that the leadership team has got copies of. As a whole a staff here at GRX, we've gone through it. It's a book called The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. This is a guy who was uh, mentored by Richard Foster, who wrote Celebration of Discipline. He was also mentored by Dallas Willard, a uh, guy who used to be... a. Um, Uh, teach down at USC. He's written a lot of books on prayer, contemplation, discipleship. So uh, this book is something that I think will really, for us as a church, really help us to grow deeper in our relationship, in our walk with God. So I'd encourage you uh, as we do this sermon series to read along with this book. We're going to take a chapter a week. We're going to look at it together in service. Um, I'd also encourage you to uh, get into a group where you can discuss this book with people. So we have different life groups, we have different small groups that are also going to be reading this book, studying this book, all throughout the week. If you want to figure out how to get connected to a group like that, you can come and talk to me after service, and we'll see that we get you connected. What I love about what James Bryan Smith does in this book is he does a series of things in this book called... Soul training. He does a series of exercises called soul training to deepen our love for God, to grow and become more compassionate in our love for our neighbors, and for us as followers of Jesus to live a life where the fruits of the Spirit are emerging, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all these things. How do we have these things in our lives? It's through soul training. Sometimes people call this spiritual formation. How are we as followers of Jesus Christ being formed spiritually? I simply ask this. How do we change? How do you change? How do you grow? How do you change? Think about it like this. There are some things that change unintentionally. Some things in our life, just change, they just change unintentionally. I was looking in the mirror the other day, and I'm like, oh, man, I got, I got some gray hairs coming out on this side. I got some, I got some unintentional gray. Thank you, Ali. He's got a little witness here. he got a little gray. My brother's showing some gray. Um, the other day, I was setting up some new uh, internet connection in our house, and um, you know, the light was kind of low. And so I was trying to read some stuff, and where do I plug in this cable, and what does it say, and what does that light mean? And I'm looking at it, I discovered my eyes are changing. I'm like, man, I can't see this. This is too small. I can't see this. What's going on? Okay, unintentional change. There are other things in our lives that for, in order for them to change, we have to be intentional about it. If you're gonna make a career change, you're gonna change your job, you gotta be intentional about that. You gotta network, you gotta go put your CV or your resume together, you gotta to get in touch with people and ask them, hey, can you be a reference for me? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about changing my job. Job changes, you gotta be intentional. Now our, our family moved over to Fremont. If you're gonna move, and if any of you have ever moved before, you know you've gotta be intentional. You got to pack, you got to sort stuff. Oh man, you got to give stuff away. You got to hire movers, you got to move. I know some people here done some renovation in your home. That can't just happen. You got to be intentional about how you change your home. You're going to pick out some cabinets, choose some paint colors, and then you got to set aside time to do that. I was talking to some people that are doing physical therapy. Physical therapy, how do you know, what do you do when you've got maybe an operation or something and you, your health has changed? When you're doing PT, it, to be intentional about changing and growing in your physical state, you gotta actually have a plan. Your physical therapist is gonna give you exercises to stretch you. You're gonna give you strength, weight training exercises so that you can be stronger. It just doesn't happen To change your physical well-being after something like an operation, you have to be intentional about it. That's what we're going to look at in this series of messages, the good and the beautiful God. How do we be intentional about training our souls to be more in tune with God? How do we train what's going on in our spiritual well-being so that we can be intentional about becoming mature followers of Jesus Christ. Now, this is also an invitation to us. It's an invitation to grow. It's an invitation to change. Do you have to do it? No, you don't have to do it. Are you a bad person if you don't do this? Are you a bad person if you don't read this book? No, you're not a bad person if you don't read this book. But it's an opportunity for you to change, an opportunity to grow. Because the life of following Jesus Christ is an invitation to being loved by God. Jesus Christ, it's all about invitation. Jesus Christ is always about inviting people. Come, follow me. Come and see. Come and and, and be a mature follower. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're going to do for this series. We're going to invite you to grow and change intentionally. I mean, look at how even Jesus calls his first disciples. When Jesus calls his first disciples, even out of John chapter one, he's got some people there and he's doing some teaching and then some people who are actually following John the Baptist get curious about Jesus and Jesus invites them to come and just be with him. Jesus says this, John chapter one, verses 38 and 39. Jesus turned and watched these two people who were following him. And then Jesus turned and said to them, what are you seeking? Right, I mean, that's a great question to ask anybody in life. But here are some people that were kind of following after Jesus, they're kind of curious about who he was, wondering, who is this guy? And Jesus says to them, what are you seeking? That's kind of a good question, even for us here at GRX come here come to church yeah i worship yeah i come and what are you seeking for us and as your pastor what i'm wanting us to do is for us to change to be more like christ but jesus asks these people hey what are you seeking and they say to him rabbi which means teacher what are you where are you staying Kind of this, this random question, like, where are you staying? But then Jesus says to them, come and you will see. That's so invitational. That's so invitational. Come, hang out with me. Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. And it just goes on to say how they just came and were with Jesus, and they followed him, and they saw what he was doing. This series, The Good and Beautiful God, the big picture, the big message, is that I invite you to come and see God's goodness and God's beauty. Psalm 34, 8 says it this way, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Do you believe that the Lord is good? And do you believe that there is good for you in taking refuge in him? We hear this invitation in scripture all the time. God saying, come and know my goodness. Find refuge, security, and rest in God. Psalm 23, probably one of the f- most famous passages of all of scripture, goes like this. I'm sure some of you even memorized it. Listen to the invitation, listen to the goodness of God, listen to God's good rest that he offers people. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He has me lie down and find rest. He restores me. He leads me. We can find this good, beautiful God in how he calls us to be with him. And that's one of the first things that we're going to look at in the good and the beautiful is how does God call us to rest in him? How does God call us to find rest in him? Because you might be thinking, man, how, you know, what's your concept of God? Well, God wants me to do all these things for him. Or God wants me to you know, do all the, you know, take care of all these things. Or maybe your concept of God is that God's like a harsh God. God's like an angry God. God's a judgmental God. What I want to posit to you today is that our good and beautiful God actually again and again and again, calls us to find our rest in Him. That that's the part of God's goodness. That God's goodness is found in how we can find refuge in Him. God even calls us to that, not only just in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed are those who find refuge, not just in Psalm 23, where he's like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. But God even commands us to find our rest. When we looked at the passages in the Ten Commandments, in Exodus, God even commands a Sabbath rest for his people. Exodus chapter 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath day, and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God is about saying, hey, you are my people. I love you. So rest in me. Find rest in me. And then the main passage we're actually going to look at for today is actually the words of Jesus Christ himself. And these come out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is the very words of Jesus to the people that are following him. This is what Jesus is inviting people to come and be with him. This is what he's asking them to do to walk with him in this way. Jesus says this, come to me. He said, come and see. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what he says. Now Jesus is speaking right now to a, a culture that's an agrarian culture. So he uses this sort of word metaphor for this idea of yoke. And we don't, we don't do that much in Silicon Valley anymore. Like we don't go out and farm. We don't go out and plow. But this is what's going on with Jesus and this idea of yoke. This yoke is this, this um thing that's used in farming. If you can think of a yoke, it's like a harness. It's like a harness. And you get these two animals together and they put this harness on them. They put this yoke on them and then they connect a plow to it. And then the two animals walk and they pull this yoke and pull the plow and then they uh, plow the field. But there's something else about how this yoke thing kind of works. It works... Very easily, when the two animals, like the two bulls, or the two cows, the two oxen, when the two animals are pulling together at the same time, then it's easy. That's how it's supposed to work, at the same time. But when one of the animals is walking too far ahead, or one of the animals is walking too far behind, then it doesn't work. I mean, it's a struggle. You can still plow your field, but the animals are struggling against the yoke and pulling against the plow, and it just doesn't work very well. But when the two animals are walking together, that's when the yoke is easy. I think that's what Jesus is saying about a life with Jesus. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me. It's easy. Then you'll find rest for your souls. I think Jesus is saying this walk next to me. Take my way of life on you, and then you'll find rest for your soul. Don't get too far ahead, and don't lag too far behind. I mean, life can still work that way, but it's going to be a struggle. You're going to be pulling, and it's, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not, why is it not working? But when he says, walk with me the same speed, Take on my way of life, and then you'll find rest for your soul. And so for the first soul training exercise for this whole series, it's about rest. Finding rest for your soul. Walking right alongside Jesus, not too far ahead, not too far back. James Bryan Smith, in his book, he says exhaustion is the number one enemy to spiritual formation. Exhaustion is the number one enemy towards spiritual formation, towards the goodness of our souls. Because we're not just, we're not just souls, we're bodies and souls. And you, know, you, know, you guys know this. If your body is out of whack, then your soul is connected. Your soul feels out of whack when your body is not doing well. Soul and body connected. So part of training our souls is taking care of our well-being and our bodies. Let me ask you this question. You just, just think about it a little bit in your mind. On a scale of zero to 10, with 10 being absolutely 100% rested. Let me ask you this question. How much rest are you getting? And just think about it. What number would you give? Scale of zero to 10. How much good sleep do you actually get? And I would suggest... That if you're not resting well, if you're just feeling exhausted, if you're just running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, you feel like your schedule is all totally packed. I would probably say that your soul probably also feels completely scattered. Completely scattered. There's a book by a medical doctor named Richard Swenson. He wrote a book called Margin. And he looked at the world and he looked at his patients medically and he said man what's going on with my patients is they have no margin in their lives you like margin like a document you have a one inch margin on the top one inch margins on the side one inch margin on the bottom but what would that page look like if instead of a margin around it you just filled the whole page up with text you'd just be like i can't read this thing that's what this medical doctor says about life that we fill up our life. We don't have any margin on the side. So our time, everything, every line, every activity, everything in our schedule is completely filled up. We're maxed out to the edges. There was a um, missionary that uh, I knew of when we were uh, still working in the Philippines. He, he was working out in medical Clinic. He's just working like 24-7, 24-7 working all the time. All of a sudden, he started to get sick. He started to break down. It's like, what's going on? Ran a bunch of tests on him, couldn't figure it out. They couldn't, you know, so they said, wow, but he's really, he's, it, medically, he's like going downhill. They said, wow, well, we we'll, we'll fly him to the U.S. Flew over to the U.S. They set him up over at the Mayo Clinic. They ran a bunch of tests on him. And they, then, you know what the diagnosis was? It was? a Mayo Clinic. The diagnosis was extreme exhaustion. It's totally breaking down. This doctor prescribed rest. It's like, Man, I have to rest. It's so hard. It's so hard to rest. It's so hard to rest. You know, um, it's so interesting to um, look at some of these sleep studies. Um, you know, 150 years ago, in 1850, the average American slept 9.5 hours. 100 years later in 1950 that number dropped down to 8.5 hours. And now today the average person gets under 7 hours of sleep. There are one in 6 people who wrestle with and struggle with some form of insomnia. The National Institute of Mental Health, they were looking at this study and they said that if people could sleep as much as they wanted, they'd sleep about eight and a half hours. They'd actually sleep about eight and a half hours. They ran this study, and they actually did a sleep study, and they let people sleep as much as they wanted. But it wasn't only that they found like 8.5 hours was like this kind of great time to sleep. But when they did this sort of exit surveys with people, they found out that the people that slept that much said that they felt happier, they felt less fatigued, they felt more creative, they felt more energetic, and they were more productive. It's all this stuff that's going on. So sleep, it's foundational. It's rest. It's what God calls us into as we walk alongside him. But then there's actually another part of even sleeping. That has the spiritual component. When we sleep, it's actually an act of surrender. And it's a sign of trust in God. When we sleep, it's it's admitting to ourselves that we're not God. See, Scripture says that it's God who never sleeps and never slumbers, but it's not us. And so when we sleep, we actually surrender all that stuff that we have to do and all that stuff that's on our to-do list and say, God, help me with all this stuff and I surrender to you. So sleep can be this incredible thing where you say, God, there's all this stuff I gotta do. How do I walk alongside you How do I prioritize my time? How do I do the things that you want me to do when I'm awake? And then God, when I sleep. It's also a prayer when you sleep. God, help me to release on those things. Surrender my life to you and to trust you that you're still at work even when I'm sleeping. Trust that you will do the things and the things will get done even when I'm resting. Okay, so I'm going to give us some application things. I'm going to actually give us some soul training activity that involves sleeping. You might go, oh man, this is going to be the easiest spiritual discipline I've ever done. I just have to sleep. I mean, that's what I do when I listen to you preach all the time. So I'm just going to continue that. I'm going sleep. Hey, but, but don't be fooled here. It might sound easy, but I'm going to say it's more challenging than, than you might think. It's more challenging than you might think. Okay, but here are three guidelines. Here are three sleep guidelines. First of all, this week, go to sleep at a consistent time Every night you choose the time, 1030, 1130, mm. midnight. I don't know. You choose the time, but choose a consistent time to go to sleep every night. It's a way to be intentional. Talked about intentional change. It's a way to be intentional. Don't just let it go. Oh, I'm gonna go to sleep when I feel tired. No, be intentional. Choose a time. It'll also give you a target. It's about training your soul. It's about training yourself, training your practice, a consistent time every, every, uh, every night. Okay, number two It's gonna be hard. Don't engage in screen time right before bed. I have some science for this. Here it is. Washington Post ran an article in September 2014 where it says that the blue light that comes out of the screen, I know some of you guys know this already, it suppresses the melatonin. Melatonin is a natural hormone that your body uh, uh, creates. And melatonin, when you have melatonin in your body, it helps you to sleep. But when you've got screen time going on, it suppresses your body's natural production of melatonin, and so then it makes it harder for you to sleep. So don't do that screen time. TVs, computers, devices, video games. There's actually a physical connection. It makes it hard for us to sleep. The Harvard Medical School had an article in their journal, Harvard Harvard Medical School Medical Journey, May 2013. They were actually looking at the effect of blue light that comes out of screens on people. And what they found was that when people were exposed to blue light, I think in this, in this uh, uh, article, in this research, they were exposing people to like 6.5 hours of blue light. I mean, it was just screen time, 6.5 hours in the day. They found that it shifted people's circadian rhythm and their s- sleep cycle by three hours. Anybody feel like your sleep system is shifted by three hours? Anybody out there you want to sleep at like 2 in the morning? You, got, you might be shifted. Okay, so what does the Harvard Medical School suggest? They suggest to improve sleep, avoid looking at bright screens 2 to 3 hours before going to bed. Ah oh, man, this sleep thing's going to be kind of tougher than I thought it was going to be. All right, but that's guideline number two. Try to eliminate that screen stuff before you're going to bed. And then, number three, third guideline. Commit your rest to God. Commit your rest to God. It's part of that soul training. You know what I love about the Sabbath and what I love about the practice of the Sabbath, especially in the Jewish culture, is that Sabbath itself when God commands us to rest, it starts at sundown. It starts on sundown Friday night. What that means is when you enter into the Sabbath rest, and when God designed this to enter it at sundown, he's actually saying, hey, I'm wanting you to rest. I'm wanting you to follow this Sabbath. And the first activity of worship, the first activity of this Sabbath worship is rest. It's sleep. Isn't that interesting? That God would even call us into that. And so commit your sleep to God. Commit your resting to God. Now, I said this is going to be hard. Don't be surprised if you find this hard. If you find this to be a challenge. If you find that there's going to be opposition to you resting Well, because any time that you do something to begin to train your soul, any time you do spiritual formation to try to get closer to God, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be obstacles. It's going to be hard to do it. And so give it a try. Give it a try. Commit your time. Commit your rest to God. And by resting well, we'll be living into the words of Jesus Christ, trusting him, learning to surrender ourselves and all that we feel like we need to do to God. I'm gonna close with this. Just like listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to these words again. Jesus says, come to me all who labor, And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for our church. I thank you, God, so much for our community. God, we are a church of people here who want to know who you are. We want to know you more. We want to live a life that's faithful to you, Jesus. And God, so I pray that you would help us start in this place that you actually call us to this place where you call us, God, to rest in you, to find rest for our souls in you, to come, to be in that place where you help us, God. So God, I pray for us this week. God, you know our schedules, you know our calendars, you know our to-do lists. God, you know we got a lot of stuff that we have to do. But God, I pray that you would work in us. I pray, God, that you would form us. God, that you would train us, you would guide us, train our souls to help us, God, to find rest in you. God, I pray that this week for us, you would help us to sleep. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.